Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for the second episode of One Last Thing for the preseason game two. And uh, this is a, a new show still, so we're going to talk about it a little bit in terms of what the theme of this is. We're, we're, we're kind of recalling one additional thing, maybe hasn't been covered so much this week, maybe wasn't covered in the articles or other podcasts that I did. And here to do that with me each week is my co-host, Slava Cooperstein. Uh, Slava, how are you doing? Doing well, Ken. Yourself? No complaints. Uh, just just the usual trying to manage my sleep uh, this time of year and trying to trying to get enough uh, after the preseason games and when we have preseason games on a really tight schedule like this. You'll you'll be in midseason form in in two weeks. Yeah, there you go. I I appreciate that. So we we knocked around an interesting topic here. At least it's interesting to us. We'll see if it's interesting to you. But that is, Monkins' offense certainly has been good. We've been talking a lot during the offseason about the possibility that Monken's offense will also have some unintended consequences for the defense. And the idea would be that if you run a faster-paced offense, you're going to not only uh, have more explosive plays, which I think most Ravens fans are, are, are thinking is a good idea, but you'll also probably have some shorter drives. You'll probably score more often. Um, and you will undoubtedly allow your opponent more plays to play offense themselves, something that the Ravens offense has controlled extremely well during the Roman era. They have 
reduced plays and they've reduced a lot of variance in their offense by by doing that. But let's talk about that a little bit, Slava. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously what we've seen so far in uh, the preseason, you know, is a ton of ton of pass plays, a lot of speed, a lot of explosion. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the question is how much can you extrapolate from what we've seen in the preseason, as, you know, and, and, and sort of project that into, um, into the regular season. Obviously, you know, what we've seen in the preseason would probably be, be, uh, you know, a very boomer bust kind of, uh, kind of offense. Um, but, but, you know, uh, you, you don't have your starters in, um, you know, in JK and Gus playing that much or at all in JK's, um, in JK's instance. So hopefully, um, you know, it's a little bit more measured and more based on, you know, what, what the defense is, is giving the Ravens offense at any given moment. Yeah, so it's definitely true. We haven't seen Lamar yet, so that that alone is a is a big one. We haven't seen the starting offensive line. You know, it's so that's one of the very fair questions: is is it really the Monken offense that we've seen so far? And there there are some nice seeming things so far, but um, I have to believe that if you want to run an offense that's more about space and less about the point of attack, Roman's offense was just very good at grinding out first downs. It was extremely good at that. And in particular, in 2019, they were the best team in the whole National Football League at doing it. Every time the Ravens got a new set of downs, they had an 80% chance to get a first down or a touchdown from that point. And that's just very hard to beat. They were effective on fourth down. Um, there wasn't anybody else in the NFL that was that was particularly close. The Chiefs were the next closest, and they weren't too far behind. And then I think the third team might have been at like 71%. So that's such an enormous difference that you really you, it's 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 hard to overstate how important a difference like that is in terms of, of being able to grind out first downs. Now the complaint was, oh, we need a passing game because everybody has a passing game. We're not going to ever win in the playoffs. Well, forget these meaningless regular season games. Uh, you know, they, the complaints were that you you couldn't use that. And in fact, um, they had a they they ran ninety plays in that postseason loss to to Tennessee, but they they did not. Uh, they turned the ball over obviously a, a handful of times and and turned it over on fourth down a handful more times. I think it was four in that games. And that uh, that led to a loss. But I've got to believe that the Roman offense as constructed was a lot more consistent about grinding out first downs and led naturally to many fewer defensive snaps. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing that you would hopefully uh, get out of a Munkin offense is sort of more along the lines of what he's been preaching versus what we've seen in the preseason, right? So mm-hmm. Munkin, uh, you know, talks about using the talent that's available to him, and that's going to dictate how he's going to going to you know construct his offense. So, you know, we certainly have the most speed and probably the deepest receiving core that the Ravens have ever had, and I don't think it's a stretch to say that. But at the same time, we have four you know four really good running backs, and we have uh, you know you know the best blocking fullback in the league and we have you know three to four tight ends who all of whom are you know 
seem to be pretty good at blocking and receiving. So, so there's a lot that this offense can do. And, uh, you know, the ability to adjust and adapt uh, to game time situations, whether we're talking about what the defense is showing or, you know, what the actual score and time left on the clock, uh, you know, that that's, you know, that's what Munkin preaches. And if he does that, then, you know, then we're kind of on the efficient frontier of offensive efficiency and scoring. Yes, I agree. I think I think it's all about efficiency, really, when you get down to it, because I think the, the critical metric for the Ravens this year is going to be points per drive. And the bar has been set extremely high by the early Roman years. They they In 2000, they had 3.08 points per drive. It's the fifth highest total in NFL history. And it's, it's was an incredibly cheap offense, run very well. And they chose to go away from that in 2020. They, they hadn't yet. Obviously, they're still with Roman. And they still had about 2.65 or something like that points per drive. That, to me, is the place roughly they need to get back to if they're going to be serious Super Bowl contenders. They need to be in the in the upper twos in order to contend. And you know, just watching this first second preseason game, I'll say they got out snapped eighty one to forty nine. Okay, so that's horrible. And they had some players on the field who weren't going to be there during the regular season, so that's good. You know that that you know it's not going to be Anthony Brown and uh, Owen Wright deciding your fate in the final quarter and those two guys uh you know were a big part of the offense and they, and they ran eight plays in the final 14 minutes while the Redskins ran some ungodly number and I don't have that directly in front of me but it's a lot of plays maybe 30 um so it's it, you know they've got to they've got to find a way obviously to be more efficient staying on the field and grinding out some first downs with the lead uh in particular if they're going to allow their defense to be maintain its restedness in the fourth quarter uh, when they'll need it to close out games. Yeah. And I mean, also a part of that, and I know, you, you know, you know, this, but part of that, that the context that uh, needs to be mm-hmm. kind of viewed in from the preseason game is, you know, the commanders have a, have a stable of really high quality receivers. They're going against, you know, the, you know, the third, fourth, fifth string corners, they're picking up those, you know, those first downs. And that's, that's certainly a part of what allowed them to play as much as they did. But, um, you know, and, and, and what, what you hope to see in the regular season is, you know, if the Munkin offense is efficient and, um, and scores with some regularity at that point, you're kind of dictating to your offense as the Ravens is dictating to the opposing offense a little bit in the, in the sense that, okay, we're down two scores. We're down however much, like all, all of a sudden our options for what we're going to be able to do as the clock continues to grind are going to be less. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. That's, that's absolutely right on the money, but if you're down a bunch of snaps and you're going to that fourth quarter and let's say even with a two touchdown lead, the balance of strategies still favor the trailing team in pretty much any sport. It's very difficult. It's always like requires effort to close out the clock. It requires real gambling to do what the Ravens tried to do on that final drive drive and stop a team from getting into field goal range, defending field goal range against four downs. One of the hardest freaking things to do in the NFL. And it was interesting. This game, McDonald pulled out the entire bag of tricks. Well, pulled out, 
two or three of the uh, from things from his bag of tricks. He didn't change packages at all. They didn't go to any dime defense or anything like that. But within the committed nickel framework, they rushed eight men. I think it was four times and seven men another time. And and they had never done that the entire the entirety of last year. They didn't rush seven plus the entire year. So they realized where they were in the game in terms of just being dog tired uh, on the field, not having anyone who could really stay with the 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 Redskins threes at that point in terms of the receivers. And, um, uh, you know, they, they had to do this. So yes, they dictated to the opposing offense. You have to pass, but they had already dictated to themselves by how tired they'd allowed them to get that they were going to have to rush the passer in these extreme ways to try and get off the field. Yeah. And it's obviously telling that they, uh, didn't get home. Um, uh, but, but, you know, uh, I'm, hopeful that what we saw in the preseason um is sort of trying different things out um getting to highlight different players to see where they might fit on the roster if they're going to make it or not and uh and 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 maybe even a little bit of just let's get some things on tape for the rest of the league to see like for instance i think munkin was very intentional about showcasing the many many speed options that the Ravens have, you know, you saw Zay Flowers make splash plays. You saw Keaton Mitchell make a ton of splash plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Ravens have a lot of speed. So when those players make it onto the field, the defenses are forced to account for them. So I think there is some intentionality about some of these things that aren't necessarily going to look the same way as they do in the regular season. Um, and certainly the result from the, um, uh, commander's preseason game uh, would lead you to hope that uh, things are looking a little different. Right. And, and I, look, I, I'm not delusional. I understand the, the, the concept that, you know, it, you're, you're playing different grades of player. And also as you go through that, your, your opponent may not be doing the whole, the same thing. And the Ravens rested 35 men in this game and the, the commanders rested 10. If you don't think, you know, the Ravens have always been accused of overplaying preseason games for the win, and that's why they have this 24-game win streak, damn it. Now, the, the commanders, they were very intentional in their desire to win this game. They've got this change in ownership. They've got the, they've got the desire to stop losing preseason games to their, you know, beltway rival. Uh, and they really don't want this. They didn't want that to continue. And then you saw the way they reacted, both the fans and the players, in terms of the end of that game. And it looked like the Commanders had just won the Super Bowl. The team nobody wanted. Oh my God! Look what they've done to the Baltimore Ravens. It was ridiculous. I mean, so so you know, it would have been great to continue the streak. And the Ravens certainly played hard. I thought it was really nice that there's a lot of national interest being generated by this, including you know, Joe Buck talking about the text he got from from Papa about the about how interested he was in this preseason game at the end. And Aikman saying it's the greatest preseason game he's ever been, uh, you know, a part of. Uh, terrific. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was. It was definitely a, a lot of fun. Um, even even just on a, just just watching quality of football level, mm-hmm. right? Like, not even just you know. Obviously, when you are thinking about like who's making the team and stuff, and you're sort of trying to trying to evaluate people, any preseason game can be of interest, but. This was this was, I think, a higher quality of football than we had um, that that you'll traditionally see in a preseason game. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would agree. And uh, uh, you know, if, 
obviously there are other concerns with this. I think, you know, some of the, the Ravens depth at corner being kind of exposed in this game is, uh, is obviously a bad thing. The uh, did not, I mean, we're, we're going through a checklist, except it's not a checklist in terms of the cornerback. It's more like a, there are a lot of X's in these checkboxes. And unfortunately, I think Mayfield got added yet previously. Swan was already released based on his play in, in week one. And I think you look at Caillou Kelly and you wonder, how the heck is this guy going to help us this year? Uh, he made a great play, by the way, in the two-point conversion. I don't want to minimize that in any way, but I think he, he was just lost in coverage too much. Um there was a lot. There were a lot of extended pockets. They had some problems, you know, getting home for the pa- with the pass rush. But nonetheless, um, you know, it, it, it what he did was was did not give me a lot of um, positive, warm fuzzies for the regular season. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's any way you can look at, you know, Caillou Kelly and think, you know, that that guy's going to be ready to come into a game and contribute positively. Like he's he is instantly going to be the guy that the opposing offense is going to target. Um, right. You know, luckily, you know, Rocky Sin is back practicing. And, um, and so that, I mean, that helps everything, right? Like, yeah. you know, all of a sudden Darby. right. Darby is practicing. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he makes it into the next preseason game, but I, you know, I just have no concept. I mean, he looked good from like the little clips I think that people were playing, but um, in terms of movement, but, um, it'll be interesting to see what whether he can make it into the next preseason game and get some live fire. I, I kind of would not. If we're talking about Rocky Hassan, I, I wouldn't expect that. I think Darby, who's been at practice since last week, is likely to give get a few snaps or, or may possibly get a few snaps. But if you look at it, they already put a couple of guys who they intend to make the roster at some point. Got to be careful about that. Kayvon Seymour and Mitchell. Um, sorry, not Mitchell. Um, Stevens. Stevens here. Yeah, they, they took them out after two series. So they, they already got the starters treatment from that perspective. Another one, the guy that left early who won them the first game is Worley. Uh, you yeah. know, he, he could have been out there at the end of the game too. They, they, they said, no, they're, they're really trying to, to work on a player. So, I, you know, I, I, and, and by the way, the only, one guy we need to give some real credit to, Tay Hayes had a wonderful game. They didn't throw at him. The two times they did, interception and pass for minus one where Hayes yeah. made the tackle. So they did potentially get one check mark in their checklist of, of, uh, of potential cornerbacks that might help the team. And I think he'll, I think he's in a pretty good position to make the roster, but he certainly will get a long trial in this next game. I think he'll be in the game probably just about from the beginning. Um, from if, if there is a, you know, a, a little bit of a trial for maybe Yassin and, and Darby working opposite each other or just Darby getting a few snaps, I think Hayes is one of the guys they've won in early in the game this week. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, Yassin, Darby, uh, Seymour, and, um, and Stevens, like that's like the line right now. Like below that line, you're going to get a ton of snaps. Mm-hmm. And above that line, you're you're – you know, you might just get a couple snaps just to continue to get those reps in mm-hmm. um, and maybe knock a little rust off in the case of Yassin and um, and Darby. But, like, you know, they, they really can't afford to lose any of those guys right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'll, I'll set you up with one more question here. What's the probability the Ravens go out and get a cornerback before opening day? You know, it's, it's interesting. The, the Ravens have um, – you know, there are a couple positions where they have an embarrassment of riches. There are a couple positions where mm-hmm. they have um, just more depth than they can do anything with. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. call 
you know, middle linebacker an embarrassment of riches, but I would call it they have more depth than they can get onto the yep. team. So, you know, a player for a player, like a marginal kind of, you know, either either Ross or or, or, or Phillips or, or one of these other guys, you know, kind of who, who've been playing quality football. It's just so you can't get everybody onto the team for a, you know, kind of bubble corner somewhere else. I, you know, I, I could, I'm maybe, maybe not quite 50, 50, I'd say, but like 45% chance. Okay. So I had, I had it at 60. I think they're, they're good. And I, I, I still think it's possible they'll trade Patrick queen in pursuit of a corner, but to get it, you got to get a pretty good corner and they, they, you know, it'd be either a rookie with some predict particularly good props. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prospects. Kelly Ringo of the of the Eagles is the guy who really been pimping for this for, for that trade. I think it makes it would make a ton of sense, uh, probably for both sides to do that. Uh, but the Eagles might decide no, we have too much in Ringo. That would be, I think, the more likely team to say no. You know, that who says no kind of thing you always see on right. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I want to get back to the offense for a second because hey, let's respond to that first, and then I want to get back and talk a little bit about Patrick Ricard. So uh, with regard to with regard to Queen, the only thing I would say is I, I think it's very reasonable for the Ravens to say we really like what mm-hmm. uh, what we saw last year out of out of uh, uh, Queen and Roquan right next to one another. We think it's going to be better this year. I think Queen's going to have a really good year for us if he plays yeah. for us. And um, and uh, you know and I, I think it's very reasonable to say we're not willing to um, risk ruining that chemistry or, 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 or productivity in, in the middle of the defense for, you know, a, a corner prospect that may not, we don't know as much about. Yeah. You have Batman and Robin, you don't just trade Robin because it's easy you, or right. you, you really have to get value for that. But the, but the Ravens have, you mentioned earlier, they have so much depth at that um, inside linebacker spot and they have a lot of their special teams are built on that, but let's go through these guys for a minute. Malik Harrison has the you know the value of being now larger at like 259 pounds by the way which is just huge mm-hmm. plays outside linebacker plays Sam but can also move inside 
he's the, I think the Ravens really want to keep him long term would be my feeling about his fit with the teams. So I think he stays. Um, then you've got Delshawn Phillips, valuable special teams player on one of the biggest heaters you'll ever see in terms of what he's doing in camp and even in the preseason as well with that great first game. Didn't play too much in this one. Started with Harrison out early, so we didn't see as much. But uh, but he's he's playing some great freaking football. It's going to be a it would be a real mess to cut him. And it's worse because he's still in his, I think, fourth year at present. I'll look that up here if I've got my sheets right in. Yeah, I do. So I think he's still in his fourth year, which means he's got to go through waivers. And I would think he gets he gets picked up by somebody if you release him to that. Yeah, fourth year. So that's a problem. Um, then you've got Ross. And admittedly, he's second-year player. I don't think there's too many people outside the Ravens organization who know just how good this guy is. And he didn't look that great in this last game against the commanders. So maybe he's a guy you can sneak onto the practice squad and it's not the, it's not the biggest risk of all right. time, but um, you know, and then you've got, uh, you got Simpson, of course, as your third guy, you're keeping him. You can't figure out how to get him on the field. And I, I mean, honestly, I can't figure out any way you get Simpson on the field. Maybe McDonald will, cause he's, he's creative. But if you're a committed nickel team to start with, I don't see how you get them on. You can't you, you can't really become more committed to inside linebacker than that. Right. And so you'd have to put him on at what slot corner or do something else where I think you'd actually be playing against his strengths if you want to get him in on passing down. Edge has been suggested. You know, Jadavian Clowney probably reduces the chance of that. You've got other guys in terms of Oway and Ajabo you're going to want to have on the field, maybe even Tavius Robinson on obvious passing downs. They've got interior linemen who can rush the quarterback this year that they haven't had in the past in Travis Jones and Matt Abike. Uh, I just think they, they have a lot of players right now. It's it's hard for me to see how Phillips uh, – sorry, how um, uh, Simpson, Simpson yeah. Yeah, gets on the field uh, with the current roster. So given that's the case – do you accelerate your timetable? And and if you trade Queen, it does a lot of it does a couple of things for you that are positive, other than the value you get from Kelly Ringo. And the first is that you you um, are more flexible in terms of what defense you can put out there by down, so you can effectively go back to platooning inside linebackers. Now, I'm not saying Queen it doesn't provide real value on third down; he does. He provides real value on other downs, particularly you know when he's working with Roquan, and and we saw how well that went last year. I would hate to lose it, but on the other hand, I would hate to go into this season with their deficiency at cornerback being what it is, and a young cornerback who's you know not a vet in year six or whatever, you know, a rookie would just be a, a an exciting pickup in terms of what they could get. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. You know, it, it's it's all about some somebody's going to have to give them a, a really solid offer. I don't think they're going to, you know, sell low on mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Queen. I think Patrick Queen gives them too much for them to accept anything other than a pretty good corner. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 you still might be getting your third corner, but we know how in Baltimore, in particular, the third corner gets in there for a lot of games, or you know, until he gets hurt. Uh, you know, right. he'll, he'll, he'll be in there himself. So it's not, a, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a, until they really stop playing defense the way they do and uh, corners get hurt anyway, they, they get a lot of soft tissue injury. They get other injuries that, they, that just happened even down the field. But one thing, if you look back at the 2000 Ravens, they're really tackling with nine guys. They told Starks and McAllister basically stay out of the pile. 
right. uh, you know, we don't want you to make tackles. And, and, and that led to, you know, a really good season of health for both those players and obviously very dominant seasons. So let's go back for a moment if we can sure. talk a little bit about Patrick Ricard, because I, I keep juggling through how this roster is going to fall out. And I think we're going to find some things will happen between now and the opener Injuries will develop, be exposed. They're not being talked about now, but they, they everybody has a few aches and pains by this point in camp. And a few of those are going to develop into injuries that are serious enough to keep a player on the shelf for four weeks that will probably solve a lot of the questions of, do you keep some of these players on the roster? So I think they're going to have about a four-player stable, I would predict, of players who start the year on IR and then aren't available until week four. I would project very strongly that includes at least one offensive lineman, even though the offensive line group has been quite healthy. I think they'd like to keep 10 and roster nine would be the way I would probably project it. They might even keep 11 and roster 10, but, uh, but keep, keep 10 and roster nine. But Patrick Ricard is a guy who I don't know if his roster spot is entirely secure. And it's basically, he, he needs to not only play well as he did last night or sorry the you know what i mean saturday sunday monday night he played very well but he needs to to have an advocate in monken to say i really need him in the offense yeah it's you know it, you at first blush you think you know if monken or if if uh, the ravens cut ricard then that's going to really signal uh you know a change in, in, in a complete, you know, going away from grinding out the game. But it, it I, I don't know how fair it is to say that when you have as many good blocking tight ends as the Ravens have, um, you know, I, 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 I do think it's almost a foregone conclusion that, that Ricard's gone next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it is a difficult choice and you're looking for that roster efficiency any way that you can. And, and, and the fact of the matter is all of these tight ends, they can, you know, they're a much more of a receiving threat than, uh, than, yes. than, than Ricard is, right? Significantly more. And the question is how much less are they going to give you in terms of blocking, um, th- you know, that, that you know, that the, they wouldn't be willing to part with Ricard. Right. I mean, obviously, some of this is by raw number of blocking snaps he had, because there's not a lot of, of of players that have the number of blocking snaps that Ricard has. But if you look at a service like PFF, it's going to show you that Ricard is in a stratosphere of his own as a blocker in this league. Um, and again, part of that is a matter of because he gets so many at bats, his his information is very credible and others they get many fewer opportunities and they get regressed to the mean formulaically by either right. having a big variance assigned to them, which means they're only say one standard deviation better rather than two and a half standard deviations better if you're a card. So they, they, they end up being, you know, not as uh, special in terms of, of a PFF reading on the topic. Even without that, I think it's pretty clear Ricard is in a league by himself as a blocker. I mean, just just stylistically, when you when you, you uh, subjectively when you look at it, he's he's like nobody else um, in in terms of his ability to deliver physicality for an offense. Uh, if if uh, I think the Ravens really need him, 
to to close out games. And I hope the decision is, I don't think it will be, is one for Monken alone to make. But if you look at this roster, the need for roster spots is primarily on the offense. So I, I hate giving this away, and Maureen will probably come in here and beat me up over this because she she really loves to play that that name the roster game. Almost never does the roster go anything but 25, 25, and three in terms of you know how you divide your players' offense, defense, and your and your wolf pack. Um, but this year I would bet it goes another way because there's going to be all of the handshake guys are on defense. There are not any right. offensive handshake guys. So that, that will uh, be the determining factor. Wouldn't shock me if it's 27, three 27, 23. Um, it would not shock me even, I guess if it's 28 to 22, because you're going to have three of those adjusted back to, you know, bring it to 25, 25 for opening day. Um, I, I, it's, it, you know, obviously the Ravens do have some, have some ways to get through this roster crunch. Um, I, I just hope that not only does Monken want Ricard because he wants Ricard, uh, sorry, because, because Harbaugh wants Ricard. Um, but he wants Ricard because, because he really wants to figure out a way to use him to close out games and to make it easier on the defense, not to play tons of snaps. Yeah. I think the thing that makes me feel reasonably confident that Ricard stays is like, who are you, who are you sacrificing him for? Right. Like, you know, it's it, like a lot of people talk about Volkolek, right? Like Volkolek has been a really pleasant surprise for sure, mm-hmm. but you have Andrews likely and Kolar, cool. all of whom are going to be on the team through like, you know, or they have, uh, the Ravens can have them on the team through 2025, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like Volkolek is looking to knock any of those guys off anytime soon. So so the, you know, sure, Volkolek brings more as a receiver, you know, ostensibly than Ricard, but what's he bringing more than those other guys that he would have to kick off, you know? So, so to me, I think Ricard's pretty safe. Yeah, it's it's it is not just those guys. I mean, it's Keaton Mitchell who will will take That's a good spot. Point. It's a, you know it's a fourth running back that the Ravens have to keep. They they cannot cut Keaton Mitchell. If they cut Keaton Mitchell, they lose him. Pure. I, I I completely yeah. agree with you. I think we need to. I think we need to keep him. I think he's going to be. Yeah. He's going to be very important to the Ravens in a couple of years. I, I, next year, because it, you know it's it's Hill and him are the only guys who are signed for next year and. You know, maybe it's a mid-round running back that they that they get for the third guy, or maybe it's even somebody further down in the undrafted ranks that they that they go with. And I think there is there's a reasonable possibility that they re-sign one. We just we were estimated this yesterday with uh, with Voss on the offensive show, but um, I had uh, for zero one or two of those guys. I can't remember who was who, but they're so close that that I'm just going to report them both here. I, I I think it was me. I had fifty percent. Neither of them are resigned. Forty-five percent. One of them is resigned. Probably the higher probability being Edwards, and five percent that both are resigned. And I, I honestly don't know why I put, even put five percent there because I don't know how it. I can't even envision how it would happen. I, I would say the only way that that would happen is that the running back market is so deflated that, like, yeah, that that they may just feel that you know Baltimore is a good bet for them. Um, but uh, but no, I th- I think those are very reasonable percentages and i think you, you made a great point i think keaton mitchell was more of a threat to ricard spot than you know a fourth tight end 
and, and then he, but he's not the only one. It's the tenth offensive lineman that threatens Ricard. And you know, one thing you can say is if Ricard's only going to play in line tight end, and I'm trying to mimic what the discussion might be in the cutdown room, then we might as well just have an extra six offensive lineman because they're the one group that you can really expect to block as well as Ricard to play inline tight end for us. We don't need to have Patrick Ricard specifically to do, to do that job. You know, it's, it's something that Daniel Falele could do and impose his will physically on other players. Well, Ricard's done it and he's done it in an elite level. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful like you that, uh, that Munkin finds a way to, and, and Harbaugh find a way to incorporate him and keep him. Right. I, I, I guess I will say that, if if the Ravens decided for whatever reason they don't want they that they're cutting Ricard, I have to look at John at, with a jaundiced eye at Monken as being the reason for it, because it, because I don't really see how otherwise it's just not enough money. You save one point seven five million roughly in terms of cap. You got to spend you know what forty percent of that probably to replace him on the roster right. with either veteran or a rookie. Uh, you know. God forbid it would be Mason, you know, that is the, is the oh, replacement God. for him. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that would know, infuriate me. <laughs> it would be absolutely infuriating. But if it's vocal, like, you know, even he's cheap, you know, he's right. But, but, he, but still is, you know, roughly 40%. So you end up saving a million dollars of cap. Now you can save that on your back. You can save 50% more than that on your backup quarterback choice. If you, if you take uh, Johnson over Huntley. So they, if they start making cheap deals all over the place, then I'm, I'm, you know, at least I understand where it's going and they, they really do look at it as one year out of a card, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I wouldn't even say it's a sure thing for just one year out of a card. I think there's a chance that he'll stay next year and the likely would be his salary gets negotiated down to do so. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense to me. And I, I just have to speak this into the world because my, I, I just keep thinking about this. I just wish that we could get Tyrod Taylor back as a backup. Mm-hmm. I just think he'd be so perfect for us. Like I would just feel so much better about it. Um, if we had him, I, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I just, I, you know, when I see him play, I'm just like, gosh, he, he would be perfect. Um, he was definitely, definitely a heck of a player there uh, for the bills for a while. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it hasn't worked out as well, obviously for here in Huntley under some very difficult circumstances the last couple of years. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the issues just at the heart of this is, and it may be true for Tarad too, is just that, um, he didn't have the same, um, natural fit in the Jackson offense in the Jackson Roman offense. Cause he just, he, he's not Lamar Jackson. And so, you know, your, your, your read options just aren't as good coming out of that. No, anyway, is what it is. It is what it is. All right. So anyway, uh, just something we thought we'd share with you in terms of, of uh, uh, probably something to watch. I watch out for this season in terms of, of the Ravens offense and how they're impacting the defense in terms of snaps. It's certainly something I'm sure you'll see me referring to in the columns and, uh, and on the shows here a fair amount. Slava, uh, always a pleasure to do this show with you. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Um, at Slava Cooperstein on Twitter. Uh, love to talk to Ravens, so reach out to me, I guess, on X. Uh, reach out to me and I'll get back to you. All right. We can just call it Twitter ourselves for pretty much as long as we feel, unless they threaten to ban our <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But you're, and that's Slava Cooperstein with a K. So, that's right. Uh, yep. K U P E R. Yep. Okay. 
Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I, I see people talking about wanting to do a short. What I say is turn that thought into action with the DM to me. And the usual process is I'll call you up. We'll talk about it a little bit. We'll see if there's a kernel for a show uh, there that, that, that would make sense. And this is how I meet new people to have on the show as more regular people. This is how I met Slava. This is how I met a lot of other people that are worth bringing back on the show for, for many more times. Um, and uh, love to meet you. Love to talk football with you and hear what you have to say and uh, create a nice piece of content with you. Slava, thanks again. See you next weekend. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.